Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Good morning. Yes, indeed, there is a war for our souls. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the God of all comfort and you are the God of victory. And you are the God that told us all these things were going to happen. And so I pray today that as you have invited us to come into that place of liberty and freedom and to know what freedom, true freedom is, peace, peace and fear, freedom from anxiety and worry and God to know that you are good, that you are able, that you are the deliverer, the healer, the rescuer. Lord God, that these things would be given to us through the revelation of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you'd anoint us to speak as the oracles of God today, and that the people who are listening would have ears. Jesus, you said, if you have ears, do you understand? Use them. So Lord, we thank you for salvation. We're never forgetting that great and wonderful gift that is secured for us the beginning to the end, that we are yours, Lord God, that you've called us from the foundation of the world, Lord God, that we've said yes to that call. And we thank you for giving us power over all the power of the enemy, Lord God, that you will never allow us to be tested or tempted above that you're able to keep us, but with every temptation you make a way of escape for us, oh God. Thank you for giving us um, the, the divine promises that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And Lord, we need that now, that covering, that shield of your protection, We thank you for your words that have prophesied, that have told us what's going to happen, and that you will protect our families, all of us, in these coming days, in these dreadful moments, hours, an intense conflict between the powers of darkness and the powers of God. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you come now to give us wisdom to understand what is this great gift called liberty. Amen. Hey, good morning, honey. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Well, the battle is intense. Yeah. It's intensifying. Yeah. But we want to talk today about freedom and personal freedom, liberty. We talked about freedom last time. We want to continue on because uh, there's so much to it. Freedom is essentially to be able to be unrestricted in the in in being able to be and do in the you know in the right areas. In the context of what God's called yeah. us to be. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And this is the truth because God says it and he says it in his word. And this is in John. But the thing is, the devil is always about smoke and mirrors, honey. He's trying to create illusions that I'm not free or I need to do this or this to be free, to be free. Like we said last time, that I have to be able to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And nobody's going to right. tell me what to do. That's a misinterpretation of freedom. This is this is what you call license where you can just, just walk in your own um, mindset, your own mindset, your not own realizing, desire, not realizing that there's an accountability. Well, and there are don't, don't even go to the accountability part yet. Just not realizing that we're not even free, thinking we're free because we, the opinions that were formed, the experiences that we had, were all contrived, that we were conditioned in the first place. And get this, even down to the core of our DNA, a lot of what you think you have in your life—that's your opinion, your idea, your freedom, your behaviors, your your preferences, whatever have already been set for you. Right. We're just living according to the programming that's already so, in our DNA. So the devil wants, he's, he's twisting everything up. He wants those who are really bound to think freedom is doing what you want and having to answer to no one. And for those Christians who are free, truly are free, he wants them to think that they are, um, they're not free, that they have to do something to be free by breaking out of uh, or rebelling against God. And, um, yeah, so I know you have some questions for me today, well, so I better yeah. what sit about, up and pay you know, attention here. Uh, personal freedom. Um, what is, you know, how do uh, our personal experiences, we we all have various experiences in our lives, all the way from while we're in the womb till the day we die. We have all these experiences, and uh, they have... Uh, they have a, Shaped us? Uh, they've shaped us, yeah. So how do our personal experiences, or we could say our interpretation of our experiences, have to do with our freedom? Well, I think you've already said it. I think you've answered the question, the very fact that those personal experiences, and we've talked about this, I think, a little bit last time, 
shape our concepts of ourselves, of the world, of God, of uh, who we are, who God is, what's going on, why it's why it's happening. We all have our opinions, and we because I think we're made to want to understand and fix things and figure things out. And so because we're made to learn, part of our deal is we we learn from things. We learn from experiences. You learn that if you touch your finger on the hot burner, uh, you don't have to be too old to learn that, that that that, that hurts, and you're not going to do that again. So you've learned that's wired together, fired and wired together, this experience of the hot, the pain, going along with touching the burner causes you to learn that you don't do that anymore. And so you're not free to touch the hot burner anytime you want, and you've learned that. But there's a lot of things that we we are that there's a misunderstanding because of a, a wrong teaching or learning things wrong, or the devil puts them together in your mind wrong. And one of those big areas of confusion is uh, in terms of our relationship with God, our concept of God, our idea of God, and. How many ideas or incorrect ideas are there of God, yeah. who is God? If somebody talks about God or if somebody talks about Jesus Christ, you don't know for sure what they're talking about. They might be well, talking about something totally different than right. what we look well, at is a, a, a biblical foundation. This is the point of reference mm-hmm. for all experiences all experiences mm-hmm. need to be placed in the context of the truth of, 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 that's brought out in Scripture, the truth that's in Jesus Christ. But a lot of people are not in the place, so they have no knowledge of how to do that. Well, they don't have any knowledge of the Word of God, first. Second of all, they don't believe that the Word of God is inerrant or without error. They believe it is fallible, and it is a man's opinions. A lot of the devil goes around sending that rumor around a lot that, oh, it's just written by a bunch of guys and but the interesting thing is, over the course of time and the, and the books, the authors, and the amount of different interactions over many hundreds and hundreds of years, they all agree. They, and it's not like they were reading each other at the time necessarily either. So, so the thing is, your first, let, let's just narrow this down. We know there's a lot of false gods in the world. There's a lot of crazy people out there. There's a lot of people trying to figure it out their way. It is not working. You've already seen enough of that to know that you are choosing to believe the Word of God. Now, here's the way we figure out the Word of God, simply by logic. You can do a lot of this stuff by just simply the logic God gave you to understand things. Uh, Number one, if there's one single lie in the Word of God and you do not know which verse it is or which phrase it is or which concept it is, you don't know that. If there's one lie, you don't know what lie it is. It could be any, any, any of the verses in the Bible, which then throws the whole book out. So one one piece of contamination or drop of arsenic in the in the in the pudding makes it all poison. So the thing is, you have to make a decision that you're going to believe what God said, that it is the way God said. We didn't come from a big bang. We came from a word spoken by God in the beginning. God said, God created. So when you when you settle that piece, because you have no outside references to determine it to be any other way. You weren't there in the beginning. You weren't the all seeing. Um, third eye that was watching over every cosmic activity. So we're going to have to make a, a step of faith here. You're going to either believe the, what God says, or you're going to believe what you think. And by the way, your thinking is super inferior to God's knowing. So I opt to believe what I believe you've believed is that the Bible is true. And though it seems to be paradoxical, yes, contradict itself, yes, is very difficult to inter- interpret, yes. People are afraid to read it on their own and have to have some priest or something interpret it for them. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. But it's like this. It's it's no more difficult than this. It, you can read that word, and you can get all, you can see the picture, but you have to study it. You can't just kind of peruse it or do it out of duty or read your daily devotional, your verse for the day. You really have to get in there and live it, eat it, absorb it, you know, participate in it. So so you can, it's like this. You can read it and come to know who God is, or you can hear what other people have to say about it and still be as confused as you were before you started. What about the problem of filtering God's Word? I mean, God makes it clear and plain, but we filter the Word of God through, as we talked about often, uh, religious glasses Mm -hmm. through our denomination, our church experience, or just our own personal experiences of life. Right. 
So if we feel that everybody is out to get us, if we say we're paranoid, mm-hmm. we've we've had people attacking us from the time we've been abused or something yeah. as a uh, child. Mm-hmm. So we we're used to being attacked, and we read about that God, you know, is is judging people. Mm-hmm. He's bringing his anger in a situation. We tend to think, okay, God is just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. He's just mm-hmm. he's out just to get out, us. He's out to get me. So <laughs> yeah. So. There's there's something there there can be a real disconnect Filter. or a misinterpretation. Mm-hmm. What can we do to just get it straight? Okay. How can we just kind of well, fly it, away those those, those interpretive? Uh, you know, I think we that's a, a fair question. What can we do? Uh, I'm not here to tell you anything to do. I'm telling you, it is done. And to, you know, what we, we're having a problem with people is being loved, being okay with being okay, being okay with being loved, because every, everything around us is worrisome, anxious, uh, and for most of us, it somehow it reduces down to survival, somehow. And so we're all trying to figure out who's, who's out to get me, or is God mad at me, or what do I have to do to get to heaven, or blah, 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 blah. And so it's all about me trying to figure it out, but really... God says, no, 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 I'll send the Holy Spirit. He'll show you how to do it. You know, it's like the teacher lives inside of you in your spirit. His spirit's bearing witness with your spirit. So going back to for a second for the filters, I liked your example of seeing everything through um, somebody's out to get me. So, so God's out to get me, too. There can be other filters or other perspectives or glasses, I would say, like like that cause you to see and misinterpret or reinterpret or interpret according to the already believed beliefs in your belief system. And so, for example, if you're Lutheran, you're going to read the Bible with your Lutheran glasses on. If you're, you know, Pentecostal, it's all got to be, you know, whatever they say. But I'd say to you, take the glasses off and know this, know this. The Bible is like a very uh, beautiful, um, intricate, uh, finely crafted tapestry. It's a big tapestry. Now, on the front side, if you look at it, you will see the picture because it's meant to be understood. But if you look at it from the back side with all the black strings and all the, 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 the knots and the, you know, however they stitch that thing, you're going to say, this is a mess and I can't see it. I don't get it. I don't know what he's trying to say. I don't understand this. But you have to ask the Lord to show you the front side of the tapestry because, number one, the devil wants you to look at the backside, and he wants you to be confused, and he wants you to be discouraged and think God is mad at you because of all the bloody things God did in the Old Testament. Talking about bloody, it was about blood. Now, let's just talk about that for a second. If you don't understand that, that in the beginning, the sin, the, the nakedness of Adam and Eve, was dealt with in the first immediate response through the shedding of the blood of an animal, probably a lamb, that covered their nakedness. Could have created grass skirts for them. He could have woven together uh, something like that, you know, you know, made something out of cotton or linen for him. But he did not. Why didn't he? Well, because the sin represented death. You know, the, the separation between them and God. And so the sin could only be fixed with the shedding of blood. And that's why the lamb's blood and the lamb of God are kind of, he is foreshadowed in the, the shedding of that blood of that first animal, probably a lamb. And so what this, this whole blood battle down here is, and then Cain killed Abel. And that's interesting too. That takes us to the next step issue of blood. So if we don't see the, the real reason for all that bloodiness in the Bible, I know this is a little off text, off context, but uh, can I just talk about this for a second because I've been writing about this? Oh, I suppose I could let yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, because I know they're so interested, but it is very interesting. Because when Cain killed Abel, what happened? God came looking for Cain because he said, the voice of the blood of your brother is crying out to me from the ground. The ground swallowed up, as you would suspect, the blood that poured out of Abel when he was killed. And so the, 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 the ground testified, bore witness 
with the, the bloody sand, whatever it was, that there had been the shedding of blood. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, blood for blood. So this blood was shed and Cain was no longer free. I'm talking about freedom. What happened was, what, had, what did happen was simply why they had this fight was Cain was mad because his smoke did not go up. When they, when they offered to God their sacrifices, God says he wanted a lamb. Abel was a shepherd, gave him a lamb, and his smoke went up. Cain was a gardener, and he picked a bunch of fruit, and he put it in a basket, and he probably burned it, and the smoke went down. So they were assuming that God, of course, was happy with Abel and not with Cain. So Cain was forlorn, downcast, and kicking a stone. You know, I mean, he was just mad. He wasn't, you know, what, what, why not me? You know, what's wrong with my sacrifice? I worked really hard. The sweat, sweat, sweat of my brow. That's everything that you told me I'd have to do. I've been working hard. Here's my works. But Abel offered blood. Cain offered works. And notice that what God had to do now that Cain had killed someone, he was, you know, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. He was in jeopardy of being killed, too because someone was going to go kill him, because that's the required um, restitution, not restitution, what's the word, Um, reciprocal act Mm -hmm. to bring about the restoration of the justice. So So God puts this mark on his forehead to protect, and Satan puts a mark on his soul to destroy him. But look at this. God said the curse was for Cain, the curse that was going to come on him now, was in relationship to what he had just done. The earth, the ground that he had used to till the ground to bring forth the fruit, was no longer going to bring forth fruit for him. In other words, his crops were always going to fail, always going to be thistles, poor yield, nothing was going to work for him. And he freaked out. He said, that's how I make my living, God. How am I going to do this? if I?" So the very thing that bore witness to him, the ground, the blood that went into the ground, the ground would not yield life to him. He took a life, the life went into the ground, and now he could not get life out of the ground. And so there's an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. You see the rope. So all through the Bible, we see the, the importance of blood, the shedding of blood. And Satan requires blood too. If you're a Satan follower, you've got to give blood many times a year. You have to give blood, literally, sacrifices, human sacrifices, animal sacrifices, all kinds of stuff. And when you're talking about God being bloody and God looking like he's... When, when God had to shed blood, it was for the safety of the people. It was because he loved them. When he had to do the flood, it was because he, you know, he, he had to... They were eating themselves. They were destroying themselves. The, the, the Nephilim, the giants, the, the half-humans, the trans... So when God has to step into the picture, he looks like he takes away freedom. But he actually does what he does to preserve freedom. Mm-hmm. Well, the example, too. So our concept of God is kind of like right. skewed. One of the great examples, of course, was at the, at the time of the Passover mm-hmm. when the blood of the lamb was shed, a lamb for a house. Yeah. They were placed on the top of the, the, the doorposts and the lentils of the door. And that was at the time there was blood shed to bring freedom. Protection. and to the to Protection and freedom mm-hmm. to the... Uh, Mm-hmm. nation of Israel. Now, so who is requiring this judgment? This um, It was the death angel. But who, who had, you know, I believe the enemy had said to the Lord, they have rejected you. They have served me. The gods of Egypt have been served in preference. The people are bound to me. And because they were bound to him, they were not free. And God had to free his people again with the shedding of blood. So you're, you're right. So when there, whenever God had to bring freedom, he shed the blood of Jesus to bring freedom to us. Now we say freedom to be what? Freedom to be God's slaves or, or what? No, we're called to be God's sons and servants of the Most High God, which is a great privilege. Um, so again, our concept of God, going back to the kind of rounding this thing up a little bit, our concept of God if you understand the word of God in context of what he was doing, it becomes totally different than what a, a surface reading uh, would, would bring to you. Right. And, the and, backside of the tapestry. And what you're saying is, too, is 
the coming to the place where we just read the Word of God just for what it says, mm-hmm. just for what it says. You know, what is this saying about God? What this is saying about uh, uh, about me? What is this saying mm-hmm. to me? What did this say? What was this saying to the people that were originally involved here? Uh, what does this tell me about God? What does this mm-hmm. tell me about me? And, and, and just just put aside, but the thing is we're, well, we're so polluted mm-hmm. with our experiential and religious right, right. mindset. Well, think about it. Yeah, It's hard to get it straight. Exactly. And it, it can straight. be like so many different mindsets. It can be like, uh, for example, um, I can't do anything right or... I am no good, or nobody loves me, or um, I should have known better, I need to take responsibility, it's my fault, I don't belong. Um, All of these glasses, perceptions, and you can have lots of those things working at the same time as filters, they're kind of like filters, and you see everything, even what God says to you, through those glasses that you wear on the eyes of your soul. And your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, and your mind is is causing you because of this perception. You know, when you wear sunglasses or you know dark glasses, everything's going to look dark. We, tr- we, you know, glasses are to hopefully cause us to see things more clearly. But when you have religious glasses on, we're talking about the lens that has been tinted tinted to make you see things in a different color or a different perspective. So you've got a. Uh... You know, it can be have a Catholic lens, a Lutheran lens, right. a, pe- so, a Pentecostal lens, or a New Age lens, or yeah, a, yeah. But a so Islamic lens, or whatever. Exactly. And so, what the Bible says, from the sense it's free is free indeed. So, the purpose of our walk with God and the Holy Spirit is to bring us into a place of freedom where we can be okay, be okay with taking off those glasses and see clearly through the Spirit of God. It's interesting how Moses said um, in Exodus thirty-three eighteen. He said, "Please show me your glory." He mm-hmm. says, "I want to see your glory." Now he'd seen the many miracles of God, that the plagues that came, mm-hmm. you know, before the nation of Israel was was released. Uh, he'd seen the power of God in so many ways. But he said, "He says, I want to see your glory. Mm-hmm. I want to see." Your nature, your beauty, you the the glory of who you are. I've seen a lot of stuff you can do, but I want to see who you are. Mm-hmm. And and later on, uh, not not long after that, it, it said um, in Exodus thirty four verse five through eight. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now when you're talking about the name of the Lord, we're talking about the character. Of the Lord, the identity of the Lord, not just a name on the surface, but mm-hmm. the heart and character. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, "The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin." by no means clearing the guilty and visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And here's how Moses responds. Moses says, so if Moses made haste, I'm sure he did. He just bowed his head to the earth and worshiped. And so this is, you know, mm-hmm. there, this is just so loaded. This is, God says, you want to see my glory, my essence, my nature, my beauty, the shining forth of who I am, this is who I am. This is how I express it. I express it through mercy, grace, long-suffering, mm-hmm. goodness, truth, mm-hmm. um, mercy. But he's at the same time, he's a holy God. He's not going to mm-hmm. just let sin go and uh, not uh, deal with it. Well, here's the deal. I don't think he can let sin go, and it's... You know, it's because the enemy won't let him. The enemy is also demanding justice. And that takes us to kind of where we, we have to, Romans chapter 6. Um, and he's talking here about whom you yield yourself servant to obey a slave you become. This is Romans 6.16, which is basically the rule in the war between God and Satan. So God votes for you. The devil votes against you. God loves you. God knew you from the foundation of the world. God appointed you. God uh, chose us, as, as he says in John 
Um, before the foundation of the world, he chose us to bring forth fruit. So there's a war going on between God and Satan. Satan hates us, and he, Satan thinks he owns us because he got us in the deal. I mean, we were part of the collateral that he got when he got everything. And so God says, no, no, there's, there's, there's another chance here. Now that we have made a way, freedom made, made a way through Jesus, there, these people have a right to be free. And so he says, um, and Paul is talking about sin, the very thing Satan uses to hold us, and the very thing he uses, uh, sin, which we would define as the breaking of the law, our behavior that causes us to break the law or breaks the law, sin is a behavior. Satan is saying, by, their very, by virtue of their very behavior in sinning, they belong to me. And so there's this war going on. And how does God then bring us to freedom when Satan has a pretty good point? The point is that we have believed lies, got tricked, followed, walked in the in the in the course of his instruction and temptation. Um, and the Bible says, uh, "Our Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one." Um, so we see that there's a deliberate uh, attempt on the devil's part, not only to um, hold us captive, but after we get saved, his second option is to get us to sin. I mean, not that we didn't sin before that, but. If he can hold us captive, then he has a right to present his evidence before the high court of heaven and say, but Lord, but God, they're sinning, they're mine, because they have yielded to me. And your words, your word says, whom they yield themselves servants to obey, that's whose slave they become. Right? So God says, yeah, that's what my word says. Uh, Very well, then you can test them, God will say, but you cannot have them. And that's why we go through the fiery trials. It's because the devil is insisting that God judge sin and, and that God looks like the bad guy because that all works together to bring the devil into a greater place of looking like the good guy. Well, so, but here in Romans six seventeen, the verses uh, through, I'm going to read through 23, following that verse you just read. Well, why don't you read 16 and Okay, then, let's oh. get the whole context. Well, let's go back to 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves to whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Mm. It says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members, that means the parts of your body, mm-hmm. as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Mm. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. And what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm. So there's talking about coming to the place to be no longer slaves of sin, but to be slaves of righteousness. So that's verse 18. Having been set free from sin, we were set free through the the payment the price that Jesus paid through his blood, that ransom, that paid the ransom, that paid the bail, that paid the, the penalties, um, uh, what the court required, uh, and all of the charges were dropped. And so we were set free from sin. But that doesn't mean um, that we'll never sin again. It just means that the initial ownership, the transfer of ownership from the devil because of he held us captive because of the sin, was now broken and transfer was made because of our will. We we responded to the call. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we responded. So that transaction was completed, that ownership transaction. But now there's still a control issue, a question of control. And that is, is where um, walking it out, so to speak, walking it out in obedience uh, is what is needed to redo the mindsets 
redo the belief systems. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So walking out our salvation, resisting the tempter, the temptations, the lies, choosing to walk in the truth brings us to freedom. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So when when we come to know Christ, we are given the ability through the mercy and grace of God to choose not to sin. And we have to have the strength of the Holy Spirit to do that because sometimes oh, yeah. those demons are very powerful and control controlling. They've been evil. It says in Romans six uh, twelve in the Amplified, Paul is saying he says, "Let not or permit not sin to rule as king." in your mortal, short-lived, perishable body to make you obey it in its lusts, evil passions, and cravings. Lusts, evil passions, and cravings are what a lot of people struggle with even after they're saved. Now, if you think, well, I've just got to do more, I've got to have more willpower, take responsibility, work the program, stay sober, try harder, you know, get disciplined, uh, get an accountability partner, i got to do something, you're... you're you're no match for the devil. You're no match for his clever, wily ways. And so what we need to do, the Bible says, submit to God, then resist the devil. And only when you submit to God through surrendering and acknowledging that you cannot do it, do you have the strength to do it. That's kind of the mystery of freedom. You have to surrender in order to be free. And so he's saying here, you know, walk, present yourselves um, as uh, instruments, your body, your members, your body parts as uh, instruments of righteousness, let yield yourself. That doesn't mean you're going to do, do it perfectly every time. You may get tripped up. You may get tricked up. What's the difference? But get up when you do. Right, right. If you, if you get tripped up, get up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's the deal. What's the difference here between, it talks about we're, we're obeying the form of doctrine that was delivered to us. Um to which you were delivered, verse 17, last part of verse 17. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between being obedient to God and trying to just do good works? Well, a lot there's of people do good. Between, okay. is there, there's a distinction there. Mm-hmm. So what is well, you think, think about this. A lot of people do good works, and they're not doing it as unto the Lord. They're not doing it for the Lord. They're just doing good works because uh, maybe they think that's how they're going to get to heaven, or um, they're just, you know, they're not understanding that it, there's a, a, a element of submission. Those works, those good works, must be submitted to the Lord God, um, done as a response to obedience, not not because I come up with a good idea and I want to give this money away because it's a good idea and I want to be seen as nice or something uh, or liked, but you're doing your acts of, of, of life and service under the counsel of obedience to the Lord. And it, so there's an element of surrender that has to go with the good works in order for it to basically um, count for liberation. You know what I'm saying? Right. Does that make sense? So it's the it's and it's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So in Galatians chapter five, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. So it's the ability of the Spirit. It's the working of the Spirit yeah. through you, mm-hmm. and what God is speaking to you to do to obey. It's not we're not obeying to be saved. Mm-hmm. We're right. obeying because we are saved. Right. He says he says, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, now you wouldn't think that being good, being nice, um, helping people out would ever be sin. But it can be sin. Slaves of sin, I, I, I was just talking to somebody very recently that their whole life was consumed with taking care of everybody else all the time to the point of, you know, pressured to the point of why were they doing it? They weren't doing it because God said to do it. They were doing it because they were afraid. And if if what you're doing in your life is reducing down to fear, it is not from God. Um, unless you're doing it under the counsel of fear of the Lord, which comes into then to into respect and um, submission. But when you're just doing it because you're afraid, if you don't do it, you're going to get in trouble. You're afraid if you don't do it, people will be mad at you. You're afraid if you don't do it, everything is going to fall apart. And that's where a lot of good people are. They're doing a lot of very good things that are actually sin because they're not doing it as submitted to and in obedience to the counsel and direction of the Holy Spirit. They're doing it under the counsel and direction of fear. And because it looks good in the end, it looks like, oh, I did a good deed that it must be good. We're assuming it's good. But really, it was a trick of the enemy to get them to become all angry, upset, stressed, um, 
and vulnerable to a whole lot of other things that the devil's going to present to them in a few minutes about how to escape all this pressure and all this confinement. So it's not really freedom. It's it's a, it's a it's a tricky way of being bound by what looks good. Well, First Corinthians thirteen three it says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I Ooh. give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Mm-hmm. Now it sounds like wow, you know, giving to the poor. Yeah, to be can good. You do it. You can give your body to burn. You can sacrifice your body physically. Your time, your life. Yeah. Your time, you know, but you can still do that without. Love, and it's, it's, well, it's, he says it's worthless. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to say, and you said it really good. Because, you know, um, it, love is a demonstration. Obedience, which is all the law, remember, going back to the law, all the law is fulfilled in this, that we love the Lord our God with all our hearts and mind and strength and our neighbors ourselves, loving. All the law is fulfilled in this, Jesus said in Galatians, that you love one another. Okay, so if all the law is fulfilled in love, then our demonstration our obedience to God is demonstrated through our love. So our 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 faith is explained or displayed through the demonstration of the obedience, which works to bring forth love. So faith, which works by love, in Galatians it says faith, which works by love, uh, five I think it's five thirteen or something. Um, that is the modus operandi of the Christian: is to walk in love, walk in obedience. So therefore. You're a committed, uh, you're a voluntary slave for God. You have chosen to submit your life to the purposes of the Most High God, the King of Kings, the Creator of the Universe, the One True God. You have done a very smart thing in submitting yourself to Him rather than thinking somehow you're the top dog and you've got a kingdom that's going to last forever because you don't. And your kingdom, you have none. Kidding yourself. Um, Every human kingdom is going to be stripped away and all things are going to submit to one of the two kingdoms, heaven or hell, uh, in the days to come. It's interesting. Uh seems like a paradox that you become a slave to God. And a lot of people, you know, I felt that way as a young man. I figured if I was going to give my life to the Lord, I was not going to have any more fun. I would be under the control of God, and he was going to make me do all these things that I just don't want to do. My life would be totally dead, totally boring. Didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it seems paradoxical, but the way to freedom is to become a slave to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't like the term slave. Oh, man, I want to be free. But that's 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 where freedom is. And it talks, again, in Romans uh, 6, uh, 18, and having been set free from sin, you became Slaves of righteousness, isn't that you know? You think that's a wonderful concept. Well, you the, the, the the idea that I am, I, I am a slave to righteousness. In other words, I am. I have no will of my. I in a sense, I have no will of my own. I am uh, under the control of righteousness mm-hmm. of what's right. Isn't that that's really beautiful when you think about it? Yeah. Well, you know, when you're talking about slave, I think we always we all have a concept of slavery. Somebody and, just getting beaten up right. and oppressed. We think of the slave and, master as being, you know, greedy, um, you know, not looking harsh, out for his, yeah, oppressive. Uh, dangerous, abusive, whatever, all those negative things. Right. And so that kind of slavery is not happy, not good, and very dangerous. It's not and, the kind of slavery God has for Well, us. because God is not the kind of a slave master. He's not a slave master. He is a father. And so when you're realizing that he is good, merciful, loving, and forgiving, which is a concept that Satan does not want you to have of God, then you realize slavery is complete freedom. Because if I have a very good master who is on time, who gives me what I need, who knows everything that's going on, who knows behind the scenes everything ahead of time, he's got it all planned out, he's totally ready to go with with whatever it is I need, he knows ahead of time, and he's giving me a little job to do, and he's not sending me into a place that he isn't going to be there to protect me. He says, I'll never, you know, with every temptation, he makes a way of escape. He's not going to tempt us above that he's able to keep us. But with every temptation, he makes a way of escape. So we got this kind of a master. Then really when God gives me a little something to go do for him, I have really no problems. Because if I do run into an issue in that situation, 
they will have to answer to my master. So a lot of us, we just run around bearing all these burdens and carrying all these crosses for Jesus. You know, and I, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, which is it? Did he give you a cross to bear? Yes, he did. He said, take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said both of them. So how do you reconcile both of them? them? By knowing that the Savior, the, the, the Master, is good, that he is, he's, he's a God that keeps his word. He's great. He's going to lead you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to get you through it. And you, it, it, you, know, you do not have to throw in a towel, freak out, or panic. And it's like when you, when you know God is, uh, he's got you into it. He's there with you in it. as you're into it. He'll get you through it, you know, or he'll get you out of it, you know, whatever yeah. whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because he is the way. Jesus is mm-hmm, the way, mm-hmm. the truth, and the life. So a lot of times we don't, we just don't, we come to a place where we just kind of freak out at these mm-hmm. problems and issues and think, oh man, all of a sudden this comes, I wasn't, this I wasn't expecting, expecting this. I'm kind of getting blindsided on this. Mm-hmm. But listen, if we're seeking God, following Him, even in the most difficult things, knowing that He's there with us, he and says, He has to supply. He yeah, promised. Yeah, He's you a know, provider. Even, even what David said in Psalm 23: "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me." Mm-hmm. So, so He said. Uh, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Mm-hmm. So, and he's he's got a purpose in that. Mm-hmm. He's got something he wants to do through you in those situations. Yeah. And and God has got something he wants to do in you through those situations. Yeah. I'm convinced that most of it's not sometimes it's what we do for God. That's, That's really the wrong concept. Mm-hmm. It's what God does in us and through us. Mm-hmm. And that's... Um, that's so valuable. Well, in Galatians 2, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, uh, Paul is kind of wrapping up his his teaching in those first chapters, which I love. Galatians talks about freedom and liberty and walking in the Spirit. He says in verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So what is he talking about? Standing fast, don't be entangled again. You mean you can get tangled up after you're saved? Well, here's how one way it can happen. Um, And then he says, um, he's talking about circumcision, which is basically a way of saying, going back under the law, keeping the elements and rituals of the law. He says, I, uh, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. In the Old Testament, they were given the rite of circumcision, or the, the it was a sign, uh, it was to put on to mark them that they were the people of God, and so um, that was a, a keeping a, a place keeping a place holding. Um, uh, let's see, a badge, a seal, um, identification. What are you going that they were the children of God? But he is saying, Paul is saying, now we don't need those external kind of um, uh, marks because the seal of freedom is on our hearts. He says, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. So if you're going to go to the law for your liberty and for your pers- uh, for your definition and identity, and, and you're going to have to keep it all. If you're going to get your righteousness through the law, you can't break one little stinking piece of it. And that's what he's saying. He says, so that's impossible. So if you're looking for liberty through the law, you won't ever find it. Well, it says... In, it's impossible. In, right. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, it, it, and you have become... What you do is you're going to keep the law. You have to keep the whole thing. And mm-hmm. nobody can... That's an impossible task. Yeah. Nobody can keep it perfectly. So then the devil's you got miss, you again. You miss one little spot. It's a You've good, broken the whole thing. The law is like a trap. It's if, like a snare. If, if a chain... Say if yeah. there's a log chain that's 10 miles long, mm-hmm. one link is broken, it's a broken chain. Right. But, right. But, but, but honey, look at how the law becomes a snare. I mean, if you're going to try to keep it and it's impossible to keep all 10,000 links of it, how easy it is for the devil to set you up to sin. Then you go back under the counsel of condemnation and I'm bad, I'm guilty, I'm a sinner, I deserve to be punished. The, de- the devil brings on a demonic judgment, blames it on God. 
and there you go. You're mad at God. He's mad at you. Think he's mad at you, and the devil's laughing in the corner. Yeah, we try to we try to make ourselves good through our works. Through keeping try, the law. try, try, through try, try. Try mm-hmm. is the death knell of the Christian life. Trying. <laughs> try. Try, try, try. Put another nail in your coffin. What are you going to do? Try. You're going to try. You might as well say, I'm going to fail. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. trying is failing. It's not. God did not create us to fail. He didn't say try. Now, mm-hmm. but look at Galatians 5, 4. Uh-huh. You have become, if you try to keep the law, become circumcised here, this was the issue, yeah. Yeah. as we talked about. You have become estranged from Christ. Mm-hmm. You who attempt to justify, be justified by the law, and you have fallen from grace. Now wait a minute. Whoa, that you know what that does? It just it just throws out everything. It, it, you become. What do you mean you it be, throws out everything? What does it throw out? You become estranged from Christ. So if I'm everything Christ did gets I've thrown got, out, right? Okay. And how can we do? I mean, that's dangerous. Well, you that's know, that's tragic because. Christ is our life. Christ is everything. Right. Christ is our he loves Savior. Us. So we. So if we're just saying, you know what, I don't need Christ because I can become, do it myself yeah. by keeping the and law. And I've fallen from grace. In other words, I don't now. I don't have grace. I don't have the favor of God. I've thrown myself well away in, from the grace of God. In chapter two of Galatians, he says, "For th- for th- for I through the law." died to the law that I might live to God. For I have been crucified with Christ. That, by the way, is uh, the, 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 the birth, the freedom, the beginning of freedom, the change, the exchange of ownership. I've been crucified with Christ, so I'm dead. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. In other words, he's saying, if you're going to go back to doing it your way, doing it through the law, through being good, then you might as well just insult Jesus and and walk away because you said it wasn't good enough. You're going to do it your way. You rejected the, the, the cross. And there is no other remedy in Hebrews 6. There's no other remedy to come back to God except through the cross. And here, here's here's really somebody, Here's a this was a primary issue in these the early days of the Christian church. It's, it's still an issue. The, the, those who were under Jewish, they were seeing everything through Judaism, through Jewish yeah, there's their glasses. glasses. Mm-hmm. So we have to say, well, okay, you can't just have straight grace. You can't just have Jesus. You've got to put all this stuff in. They were going by their imposing their religious training and experiencing. Definitions and traditions. On, mm-hmm. And traditions on something that was knew something that was the fulfillment of what you know they were struggling with under the law and which then when you impose your old ideas and opinions and learning on the new thing it's like Jesus said you put, you can't put new wine in old wine skins because they're going to they, burst that's exactly what uh, they, were, they doing. were trying to do is put the new wine in the we, we got to fit this into our category yeah, our yeah. experience and our so, religion mm-hmm. our system Mm-hmm. And it and it doesn't work. This was a huge issue in those days, and it it still is today. Well, it is today. You're right. And and even the even the word grace is so redefined. The devil has redefined grace to be licensed to sin. So now the Christians are afraid to talk about grace because they're they think they're going to be misunderstood that it's a license to sin. The way God uses the word grace, grace doesn't mean anything to us. It means everything to God. Grace is from God to us. Grace is given to us by God because of the devil. God knew that the only way we're going to get through this is by his mercy, his forgiveness, and his grace, because he absolutely knows how wicked the devil is. So grace is God's position towards us, peace, uh, goodwill towards men. Um, And it's it's God extending his hand of mercy and grace. But most of us, uh, like you said, we've been very conditioned. Our lives have been conditional. We've learned to behave to stay out of trouble. So now we learn that if I be good, I'll stay out of trouble. Everything will be fine. That's not what God says. God doesn't necessarily say behave to stay out of trouble. He says, love me, accept Jesus, and I will deliver you from trouble. So we're, we're still trying to do it the old way. I got to be good to stay out of trouble. I got to make somebody happy. I got to make God happy. Listen, guys, God is not even mad at you. I, I was talking to someone very recently, and they had done something that was really stupidly, terribly, 
messed up. You know, they got really tricked up by the devil and they really, something really went down bad, negative, and they're a Christian. And I said to him, I said, well, I said, you know, God knew about this from the foundation of the world. He knew about you. He knew about this day. He knew about the situation. And yet he still called you. He still chose you, appointed you to go and bring forth, you know, um, peace and bring forth uh, his, his will, his works. He knew this. He knew about you from the foundation. And yet he, he, he pointed out and says, I want you. I'm going to read this to you. It's 15, uh, John um, 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And, and you know what's kind of interesting? He uses the word bear fruit here. He doesn't even say be good or do good works. He says that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Do you realize fruit comes off of a tree? We don't call those apples good works. Oh, good work, apple tree. It's a fruit that comes out of the tree's branch, the branch abiding in the tree. And so Jesus says, I am the vine. So he's talking in the context of what he says is how we do this by a branch abiding so that we're abiding, hooked into, related to him. And out of his life and out of his nourishment comes the fruits of righteousness, peace, and joy. He doesn't say that you should go and bring forth good works, but go and bear fruit fruit. The fruit is coming out of his life being lived in and through us to live as Christ. In him I live and move and have my being. This is called transformation. Works are of the the flesh. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fruit is of the spirit. Okay? Yeah. So it is. It's like so what's, what's happening is that that there's a there's a there's a twisting up. The devil's trying to twist things up to try to get us to believe that we got to work. We got to be good. We got to do something to be, uh, we have to do something. We have to work. We have to be good. We have to do something to make God happy. And well, this is so easy for the devil to and, mess and this us up. this puts us right into bondage. It puts us into bondage. Uh, for as many as are under the works of the law, Galatians 5, uh, 10, are under the curse. Mm-hmm. So, for as is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Right. So, so basically, there's no freedom in being under a curse. Yeah. So, that is. Uh, there's no freedom. Yeah, you're, and so Jesus came to be to come the curse for us, as it says again in Galatians. Right. So we're missing the benefits of the love of God. It says, um, it says for. Uh, as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. That's Galatians 3.10. For it is written, Curse is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Mm-hmm. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham, which came through the promise, by the way, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now think how terrible this would have been if only the Jewish nation, the Hebrews, could have been saved because they happened to be born of the right parent stock. And the rest of us little Gentiles out here had no hope just because we were born Gentiles. That would have been absolutely, that would have been a mean God right there. You know, to allow all these Gentiles, Italians and Germans and whatever to be born and not have any chance at, at because well, well, they, they're not the right bloodstock. Right. So that, well, there was that there was that mean spirited exclusiveness. God wanted a separate his, he wanted a separate exclusive people to be a witness to the world of his grace and glory. Right. And so basically not to show so, favoritism in the time of Jesus when he was here on earth. What they were, the scribes and Pharisees, they were so exclusivistic. You know, the Gentiles were the dogs, unclean. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. outside. You know, we we're we're the pure ones. We're the we're the only ones. We we're see that still today, ones. don't we? And then Jesus, you know, not in the Jews necessarily, though, comes honey. and he starts reaching out to Gentiles. And Isaiah mm-hmm. uh, prophesied of the Gentiles that would. Uh, uh, have the the law of God, the grace of God, and and then the the, the outreach of Paul to the the Gentiles. The early Jesus began to reach out to the Gentiles, the Syrophoenician woman, mm-hmm. and, and all that. So it it the gospel Jesus had to go into all the world 
and preach the gospel. Whosoever, whosoever is whosoever. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's the rich, the That's poor, right. all races. So it's nations, open to so everybody. It's wide open to mm-hmm. everybody to come to Christ. Now, here's here's about freedom. Mm-hmm. Romans eight, verses one and two. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Mm -hmm. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the law of the Spirit of life. So there's there's the law of sin and death well, that look operates at, in us. And, and it's not just the, the Ten Commandments here mm-hmm. when he's talking about the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 7, Paul saw this law of sin and death operating within him. Right, inside and of him. So, inside of him. Mm-hmm. So there's that law of sin and death that you that that you yield yourself servant to obey. You become the slave mm-hmm. under the law of sin and death. Well, that's can can, yeah. Right, and so but now he says there's a whole new law, which is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Spirit is is talking about the Holy Spirit, the spirit and, of life in Christ Jesus that makes us free from the law of sin and death. Well, the word law there in the second use is a law is an operating principle. You know, the new principle, the new paradigm right. is freedom. And notice in the first verse there, therefore there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. The, the, the um, manifestation of freedom for the believer who doesn't walk back and goes swinging back and forth between the flesh and the spirit, but walks in the spirit, is freedom from condemnation. The liberty that Christ sets us free uh, in is a freedom from condemnation. But how many Christians are walking in at least partial condemnation? They're saying, oh, I could have, oh, I should have, oh, if only, it's my fault, I should have taken responsibility. And you're, oh, you're an open target to the conde- condemnation of the accuser who constantly comes to bring this up. You should have, should have, should have. And the minute you go with I should have, you're accepting the counsel of guilt, which is not the Holy Ghost. But as you said, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. That's what God says. I don't know how you want to rewrite that. How do you want to, is there any way you can improve on that? I mean, what is our problem? What is our problem here? Why is it so hard for us, number one, to say thank you, to accept a free gift? Why is it so hard to be okay with being okay? You say, well, because I'm just living in this very messy, horrible world and I can't figure anything out. Well, will you stop trying to figure it out yourself? Just be quiet and say, Lord, what's the lie I'm believing here? What is the trick the devil is playing on me? You know, what is the truth? That will set me free because a lot of what you're all tangled up in and you're all worried about and you're frustrated about and all the bad things that are going on in your world right now are the result of what you have permitted by believing lies. And part of those lies are it's up to me and there you're still allowing condemnation. You know, condemnation comes to those who are to be damned. You are not damned. You are set free. You are going to be brought someday into the fullness of the presence of God. Let's know that. Let's not hope that. Let's not even try to believe that. Let's not hope we believe that. Let's know that. Why? Because going back to the bottom line is good and God cannot lie. If God lies and God is not good, then God, as we define him, as he defines himself, is not God. He is not God. And so just learn to accept, accept being okay. Well, can I say something about that? Hold on. Learning. How do we learn? You answer me that question. How do we learn to accept? How do we learn to accept? Well, we just, I guess what we really need to do is just accept. Well, how do we accept what we haven't ever seen or experienced? Well, we have to. Ah, we haven't experienced it. 
So that's our problem. How can you accept what you have not experienced? How can you accept heaven if you have not experienced it? How can you learn to be okay uh, to accept something, learning? Because we learn, because our soul learns stuff. Mm -hmm. Our spirit doesn't have to learn anything. Spirit just knows. That's right. So you learn to accept what you've experienced. That's the problem because we have not yet. I haven't been to heaven. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen it yet. I, but I believe it. I know it. Why then can I know it if I've not yet experienced it and not learned it? How do I do that? That's our problem because we're trying to learn everything so we can know it. You can't, you can't know anything by learning it. And that's, and that's the, the operation of the soul, not the spirit. You, the you're, you're, we're built originally, going back to the origin, original place, we come from heaven, right? Jesus said, they said, where would you get all this authority? Where, who gave you this authority to do these miracles and walk around here and talk about God as your father, blah, blah, blah. And Jesus answered the question by saying, I know where I came from. Whoa, how does that answer anything? Well, it answers everything because if you know who you are, you know where you came from, you know what you know, you know what you've seen, you know what you've experienced, you've been in the presence of, of God, you are part of the Godhead, blah, 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 then you can speak with the ultimate authority. But God created us in his image also to know stuff already. Before you ever learned anything, you already knew stuff. Okay? Can I say that again? Before you ever learned anything or experienced anything or were conditioned or reconditioned to believe anything, you already knew stuff. God put that knowing stuff that he wanted you to know right inside of you. It's in your spirit. Because if you wouldn't have done that, there'd be no hope for ever figuring anything out or, or resonating with the truth or discerning the truth from the lie ever. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So people are trying to, to learn about God. And if they'd be quiet, the spirit of God is already sent to bear witness to God in your spirit. So we already know that we know what we know, but we don't think we can know it because we're still believing we can only think it. Mm-hmm. And thinking always says, I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. And the the knowing aside puts away our experience of what we get. We're used to being um, not okay, right? And when we're talking, we about, learned that when we're talking about being okay, we're not talking about it in a humanistic sense. You know, in the humanistic sense, oh, you you are good, you are beautiful, you can do this, whatever. Because you, you, you can, don't you don't need God because yeah. you are. Mm-hmm. You are so intelligent, special, smart. intelligent. It's all on your own. It, it's put all on you, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a humanistic lie. Can but, I say something to ex- example that? Yes. How many beautiful people, you know, entertainers, musicians, um, uh, artists, famous people that you know that have died even since the beginning of this year? Uh, where do you suppose they are now? They're in the presence of God or not? Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with their beauty, their abilities, their money they made, the fame they had, the albums, the the movies, the whatever, it, 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 their positions. It has to do with their relationship with the Lord God and his great love for them or their ability to receive that love, you know. So it's so, not what you learn or do. It's what you know it's, and who you know. It's what you're knowing. It's not what you're wishing for. It's not living in some, some kind of a la-la land mm-hmm. of, oh, yeah, everything's good and everything's hunky-dory and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. It, it is a knowing that Jesus Christ puts in you by the Spirit because of, not because of we have what we have done, not because of works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. He's put his Spirit within mm-hmm. us to actually live this life and give the revelation of of who God is and and who we are and in that in that type of in that mode then we're free to serve others Jesus was free to serve other people because he knew he was free to service to the point of death on the cross become obedient to death on the cross because he know as you mentioned Margie he knows who he is. He he knows who he is. He knows he what's going on. Father, he <laughs> knows what's going on. And when you have that knowing, you know who God is. You know who you are in Him. There's a confidence, or you can serve. Doesn't matter. There's an authority people, there. Doesn't matter if people love you or hate you. Mm-hmm. You just do what God has, and you're okay. And that 
that is a tremendous, tremendous freedom. Right, to know that you're loved and to and to know that you didn't have to earn that. It's just because you are. And so, Father God, we thank you for this awesome gift of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the revelation and demonstration of your love to us. May each one, Lord, may your Holy Spirit protect it and may the devil not be able to snatch anything out of their mind or heart this day, Father God, in Jesus' name, that you would prepare us, Lord, you have prepared us and you are preparing us for the things that you've called us to do, to walk in and to be already ahead of time. So thank you, God. And thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. And bless each one this day with your wisdom and revelation. And help us, Lord, every day, every moment to live in that liberty and freedom that you have purchased for us and that you have not only made known to us, but you have imparted to us deep within our spirit. And help us, Lord. We thank you, Father, for that freedom that there is. Whom the Son is set free shall be free indeed. Thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? for your soul.